What's going on? Welcome back to the Cox Talks episode. I, of course, am your host, Trevor Cox. Listen, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for waiting around. I know my episodes have been, you know, um, I don't know what you want to call them, uh, inconsistent lately. But like I said, it's a busy time of the year for me. I'm a busy guy and I don't get paid for doing this. I do this because it's fun, because I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, with my schedule, I just haven't been able to keep it together. Hopefully come uh, winter time, I can get a little better at kicking these out more consistently. Um, as always, questions, concerns, comments, dilemmas, please get a hold of me at uh, the Cox Talks podcast on Instagram. That's the best place to get a hold of me, to be perfectly honest with you. I have the email still, but I don't ever pay attention to it. Nobody uses email anymore unless it's for business. And let's fucking call a spade a shovel here. This ain't business. This is not business. All right. So if you're one of the lucky ones, you can get a hold of me on my personal cell phone number. Um, Facebook, I'm easy to find on Facebook. And I'm even on Twitter. Um, at Trevor Dofsky. You can track me down on Twitter. I'm usually on there. I have a group of people on Twitter that I converse with on a regular basis. And yeah, so um, this week's episode, listen, we've got a guest and we're probably going to jump right into it. Um, I have Jermaine Franklin. And for those of you who don't know who Jermaine Franklin is, he is a TSN sports anchor who uh, I had the pleasure when I was a young lad. I, I grew up, I got to watch Jermaine uh, play some hockey with my brother as a young kid and kind of watched him or not heard him, whatever, and his, his career in sports broadcasting, um, sports anchor, sports reporter, you name it. He's, he's kind of done it all. So anyways, uh, I got to sit down with him. I got caught up with him. He's one of the nicest guys. He's one of the good guys in the business. Um, and he was good enough to sit down and chat with me about his career, about his time in Calgary, about life on the sports desk, life as, as an anchor so on and so forth. So, uh, yeah, listen, we're going to jump right into it. I think you'll enjoy it. It's it, it to, Listen, I had a blast doing it. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Okay, so on the Cox Talks podcast, big, big, exciting, exciting guest tonight. Uh, with me is none other than TSN sports anchor, Jermaine Franklin. Jermaine? Welcome to the Cox Talks podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Coxie. Exciting, exciting stuff. Well, I mean, you know, you might be on TSN, but you've really hit the big time now that you're on the Cox Talks podcast. Agreed, agreed. Right you know, on. I did, a, I did a little bit of, re- just not much, but I did a little bit of research, um, basically the last, your last episode, and I was worried I had to come on with my tarps off, but uh <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad that uh, we're all good. <laughs> no, that, uh, I mean, I almost took mine off because it's starting to get a little sweaty in the farmhouse here again, but, uh, you know, you're a professional guy. I'm not sure how you would have taken that. So I thought ah, I better, I better leave it on for, for Jermaine. So I appreciate that. I appreciate perfect. It. Perfect. Well, first of all, thanks for coming on. This is, um, I mean, this is exciting for me. I don't get, uh, I get lots of good guests, interesting guests. Everybody's got interesting stories, but it's not very often I get a national celebrity on. <laughs> I don't know if I'm a celebrity, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I enjoy, I'm really lucky, really blessed to have uh, the job that I, that I do being an anchor on TSN. 
uh, spent a long time in Calgary as well. So paid my dues that way. And it's good to be on the desk. Really appreciate it and uh, enjoy it a lot. Absolutely. So speaking of Calgary, um, a bunch of years ago, you were walking through the Saddle Dome because I used to live out in Calgary as well. And I stopped you in the concourse and I, and I introduced myself to you and I asked you if you remembered my brother, Rob Cox, because you and Rob played on the Oxbridge Bruins together. And yes, of course you remembered him, which was pretty cool. So we had a little visit. Do you, do you remember that interaction or probably not? I kind of do. I kind of do because, um, I remember like uh, having to think back a little bit and I knew that I played with a, a Cox and Rob, if I remember correctly, was a really young guy compared to me. Like I was probably 18 or 19 and he was just coming in and he was 15 or 16, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes. Tall, tall, gangly kid, but you knew he was going to be pretty good. And uh, yeah, I remember, um, I do remember playing with Rob a little bit. And I do remember vaguely, definitely vaguely that, that interaction that he had. Well, me. it was kind of funny because the buddies I was with, I had, I had never really said anything about, you know, I, I, I knew, or I know of Jermaine Franklin or whatever, but my buddies were with me and I stopped you dead in your tracks. And we had that little interaction and we're walking away. And my buddies are like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you know, Jermaine Franklin. I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Known him since he was a kid. <laughs> no doubt. yeah so no that, that was that was something i wanted to ask you and um yeah i mean a lot not many guys will just like because you're you were obviously working that night at the saddle dome because you used to cover the flames and so on and so forth and, and we're going to get into that we're going to get into your travels but um right off the top i want to get into a little bit um part of the reason i wanted to get you on is your connection to the uxbridge bruins and uh, so did you, now I can't quite remember. Did you grow up in Stouffville or Pickering? I grew up in Stouffville. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. And uh, you played a little bit of junior A for the Pickering Panthers, if I'm not mistaken. I played, I played junior, a little bit of junior A for the Aurora Eagles. Oh, okay. And, and um they were the Eagles then. They were the Tigers. Then they moved. They changed to the Eagles, and I was there when they were the Eagles. And then I, um, and then I, I came to Uxbridge, the Mighty Bruins Junior C. So yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm still very involved. Um, of course, my brother played, and then my brother came back and coached, and he coached while I was playing. And which was very interesting at times. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> um, and then now I am coaching, and I am actually now coaching the son. Bear with me here. I am now coaching the son of a guy that you played with and that also coached me. And that guy's name is Scotty McLeish. You remember Scotty oh. McLeish from Cannington? Yeah. So his, his oldest son, Caleb, he played with us as a 16 year old last season and we're hoping to have him back this year, but he's playing a little or he's trying out for junior a, but it's just, it's always been very interesting to me how a small town junior team like that, like how it comes full circle like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty interesting stuff. And we were, I was talking to Scotty today and we were trying to, to debate what 
jersey number you wore when you played for the Bruins? Was it 26? Or do no. you even remember? Oh, I remember. I love that number. From from here on out, I wore number five. Okay, so Scotty yeah. was right. Scott yeah. Scotty said that you wore five. I argued. I said, no, he wore 26. So I guess I'm going to yeah. have to buy him a six-pack of Bud Lights or something. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Number five. Um, and, yeah, I love that number. Like, uh, and because, and I, you know how it is, small town, like going back to Stovall, went to Stovall High. And um, it was great that I was playing for Aurora uh, for a little bit. But um, when I started playing for the Bruins and I got the Bruins jacket and I'm walking around the hallways with the Bruins jacket, it's like, oh, you playing for the Bruins? Oh, we'll come see you. Like, like the Bruins, uh, <laughs> small town, but big fish in a small small bowl. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I like, you know, not, not to uh, pump your tires too much here, but like you gotta be one of, if not the most famous Oxbridge Bruin alumni ever. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's call a spade a spade here. Well, I am going to counter that. Okay. With, uh, because I, I, I would love to have that. Um, I'd love to have that label and be very proud of it. But, and that could be true in the future, Coxie. Okay. But one of my claim to fame is the fact that I played with the assistant general manager on the Uxbridge Bruins by the name of Brandon Pridham, who who may be just a smidge more popular than, you know, yours. Well, you know what? (laughs) Um, he might not be very popular if the Leafs don't start winning. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you He'll might be well have, known, but not very popular. I see what you're saying. That's right. You might have a leg up on him there because everybody loves a good sports anchor. Right. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, well, no, that that's cool. And, and I always thought um, that was a neat little connection, which was part of the reason I wanted to get you on here. Because like I said, I, I'm still heavily involved in the Bruins. My brother's heavily or used to be heavily involved. My mother sits on executive. We sponsor the team. It's it's something close to my heart, and I love talking to old alumni too. So, so yeah, that's no doubt. Great. And I love those days. Yeah, I think about like Brandon Pridham, Paul Tronadu, uh, Ryan Jefferson, uh, Jason Underwood, all those guys. Shall well, we? Jamie well, Showered. So okay, so another connection. I forgot. I also coach Jason Underwood's kid, Trent. Now, oh wow, all right. and Jamie Showers was on so i'm i'm the assistant coach i run the forwards last season jamie showers was running the defense and i've said this before and i i hope jamie listens to the podcast all the time and i he always rubs it in my face but jamie showers is the reason i wore number 23 so it was kind of cool that i got to coach with him yeah and and you know what i grew up like jason underwood oxbridge bruins legend Right. (laughs) Uh, Grew up watching him play. And now I'm coaching his son, who might I add, is a chip off the old block. Oh, no. Like just a a spitting image of Jay at that age, too. So, uh, yeah, back to the, like I said, just uh, uh, how things go full circle in small town junior hockey. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And I should mention Jay Haas, too. He was my my best friend on that team, too. Oh, I remember him too. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, listen. This is, this is almost just turned into like the Uxbridge Bruins alumni yeah, yeah. podcast. 
interesting stuff for sure. Yeah. So, so listen, let's, uh, let's talk about your, your career. I mean, um, you graduated from Windsor University in 1999. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, so what, what I want to do is what, what made you want to get into broadcasting? Um, and the reason I ask is also another connection. I took radio and television broadcasting at Niagara College. Oh, all right. And I think you probably worked with one of my professors, a guy by the name of Tom Otto. Did you ever work with Tom Otto? Uh, maybe. It's not ringing a bell, but okay. I'm terrible with names. That's okay. But yeah. anyway, so, so yeah. So like I said, another connection to you. But what, uh, I mean, you know, most Canadian kids, they, they dream of being hockey players. I don't yeah. know many people that dreamt of being a sport. Like, did you just want to have a sick mustache? Like, like yeah. Jim Taddy or what? Like, what was the scoop? Exactly. Jim Van Horn, Jim Taddy, the stashes. I was all over it, too. Yeah. Gino Retta had a stash back in the day when we were watching the Sports Center. But um, honestly, just like you said, Coxie, I wanted to be a pro hockey player. That was my dream. I said I was going to chase it. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why I went. I got into broadcasting. And but. First and foremost, love sports, wanted to be a pro hockey player, realized the dream wasn't going to happen. Um, and when I was playing uh, with Aurora, to be honest, I wasn't getting a lot of playing time. But what a difference uh, in terms of um, dedication to the sport, which I, I loved. So we practiced two or three times a week. We played two, two times a week. And I was a terrible multitasker. And I, I was like, the book's out the door. Grades, <laughs> I passed, but barely. And then when I realized I, w I wasn't good enough to, to make it, I was like, oh, man, I got I to gotta figure something out because I'm not getting pl much playing time. I gotta, I'm not getting into university uh, with grades like these. Uh, college even would have trouble taking me, I'm sure. But uh, And then I just... Basically, by grade 12, I'd say I refocused, um, uh, started playing with Uxbridge because obviously loved the game, uh, loved the game a ton and did not want to quit um, and started playing with uh, with Uxbridge and really had a great time there. Started upgrading my grades, took an extra year. And back then there was OAC. So you can imagine. Oh, yeah. I, I I went to OACs, I did my OACs, and then I took an extra year just to upgrade a couple more OACs, took an extra semester, half year, to tell, tell you the truth. Um, and by then, like, I knew that I wanted to be a broadcaster. I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. Like, I knew it. Like, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to cover hockey. If I, if I couldn't put my name on the Stanley Cup, I wanted to, I wanted to, to be a part of, of, of Stanley Cup broadcasts, I wanted to to be there, a part of the NHL. So, um, the other reason why I went into broadcasting, and and this is this is something that I always knew. I kind of knew that I had a, a pretty strong voice. I knew I had the baritone voice, and I loved 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 the voiceover the voiceover game. I didn't know exactly that it was a voiceover game, but when you think about James Earl Jones um, and guys like that, I'm just like those voices are, are what I would love to do as well. Stuck with the sports, obviously, aspect of it, um, and, uh, and, and went through the grind. And, uh, and then I, I eventually got, uh, got the call from TSN, which was, 
which was a, a dream come true. And then coming here back home to Ontario for the anchor position uh, was a complete dream come true, no doubt. Absolutely, because you so you started at the Fan Five Ninety, and yeah. you did some work at the Score as well. Color yeah. color commentator for the Saint Mike's Majors, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, right? True, so, true. So uh, listen, I've done my Jermaine Franklin homework. Okay, <laughs> I've done the homework here. But so you said that that TSN came calling. So um, did you know that they had a, an opening? Did you have to apply, or did they just kind of hear you on the fan and see you on the score. And like you said, they just came in for lack of a better term, uh, like headhunted you. Yeah. They, um, um, they just, they just found me like, uh, uh, this is the story and I'll try and keep it, uh, uh, short, but like you said, I, I worked at the fan 590. First, I volunteered there and interned there. Then I got to drive their, their promotions truck. So I was giving away free beef jerky at the track in Bowmanville and all that <laughs> stuff. I was driving all over the GTA, you know, <laughs> come see me. I'm, I'm in the sports cruiser. Um, also had a part-time job with Toronto star television. Uh, shout out to Karen Sagan for that. And I, I worked at headline sports and yes, I did color for St. Mike's majors uh, with Rogers television. Shout out to John Jackson for giving me that uh, opportunity. Um, and I just kept on, the key to that, uh, Coxie, was working at Toronto Star Television, which was a small um, studio on floor number nine and on one Young Street. And they had a ton of equipment and they let me um, basically take it out. They're like, OK, we're not using it. If you want to go, you go. And because I had because I had um, passes to the Leafs, the Raptors, the Blue Jays and the Argos, because I worked with for the fan. I would go to leaf practices and practice my standups on my own because oh. I had the past. So that's how I started working on my on-camera stuff. And uh, basically what I'm saying is I put together a bunch of demo tapes, always sent them into TSN and all over Canada to any small station. If they were, if they were looking for someone, never really got a call from any of those small stations in in Saskatchewan or Winnipeg or Manitoba, I should say, but, but, uh, one day, out of the blue, when I was working those four jobs um, for, for nothing, uh, basically, I had one day off. It was a Friday, and I'll never forget. And I told my wife, uh, I said, look, if any, my parents always love to call me early in the morning. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, ridiculous. Yeah. I'm like, look, I'm sleeping in. If anybody calls, especially my parents, don't wake me. It's not going to happen, right? <laughs> So, of course, uh, I'm sleeping uh, that Friday in August, and uh, the phone rings at 7.30 in the morning, and my wife answers, and then she starts giving me the elbow, and I'm like, don't even think about it. She's <laughs> like, he's right here, Mr. Millier from TSN. Like she's, so I was, I was, I'm like, what? So then I got a frog in my throat. I'm trying to clear my throat. I'm probably like 80 octaves lower because it's the first thing in the morning. And uh, he said, he said, uh, he asked me if I could come in for an interview in two hours. I said, I'd be there. And then when the whole process was done, I was headed to Calgary two weeks after, or three weeks after that. He told me, he's like, Jermaine, do you know how I found you? I'm like, no idea. He's like, 
I was cleaning up my kids' uh, toys in the basement and your tape was at the bottom of the toy box at like one in the morning and I decided to just pop it in just to see. So obviously he brought home tapes, lose some, saw some, and he's like, so, so uh, if I wasn't cleaning up, you would have been in the bottom of the toy box for another, <laughs> for another wow. year. And then he's like, yeah. And I knew you were the guy I wanted to send to Calgary. So I was like, wow. Yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. Intervention I, for sure. Yeah. That's why that's a wild story. Actually. That's, that's pretty interesting. So yeah. So, so they sent you, um, you know, there was no, there was no grunt work. There was no, you know, low man on the totem pole work in Toronto. They sent you right to Calgary as kind of the, the Calgary beat reporter for all things sports. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was, uh, well, the grunt work was with everybody else. And then they were like, yeah, good enough. Um, we want to send you to Calgary. I, I forget. Uh, um, it was Lisa who I was replacing um, and she was coming in for, for an anchor spot. So yeah, it was, um, it was a whirlwind for sure. But, uh, but yeah, totally worth it. That's for sure. So that was, that was, was that 2003? I think I read that, that you went out exactly. there and so you that just, was September. Yeah. And yeah. you just moved back what two years ago or a year ago. I just moved back two years ago. Uh, it will be two years uh, in a week. Yeah. So, so you were out there like 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. 17 glorious years. <laughs> yeah. 17 awesome years in Alberta. And it was, it's a great spot, honestly, Calgary. Well, you've, you know, it's uh, yeah. I, so I lived down in kind of the high river Okotoks area. Okay. And yeah. I worked, I worked on a big grain farm kind of East of there. Um, I spent eight years out there. I coached hockey out there. I made a lot of friends, but I was just back out there last week. I was out there for 10 days and uh, man, I, it, the hardest thing to do was get on that plane and come back to Ontario. And that's not because I was severely hung over. It was because I forgot how awesome Alberta is plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so you're, so you're out there, I guess at the time you really only have like the stamps, the stampeders and the flames to cover pretty much. Right. Like yeah. how did you, I mean, you had to come, did you have to come to sports center every night with, with a story or like how exactly did that work with only two sports teams in a city yeah every day you got to come with a story but um half of those days they they say there's no room for you right like i see um, so like calgary the one thing uh calgary isn't the biggest market and it's not considered the biggest market uh in in the sports center world um either so that's another reason why they're like you know what that's that's a, it'll be a perfect place for you to to mature and cut your teeth um as a as a broadcaster as well um uh, and uh and that's that's the way it goes so every day every day you do come up with a story and i think the frustrating thing about that was for me was uh, always um and you have to consider yourself um on the same plane as as anybody right so so i'm seeing stories about the leafs and 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 the leafs fourth line and their backup goaltender and i'm like i got stories about jerome mcginla and the top line and whatever they're like yeah but we just don't have room today and you're like what are we talking about i'm yeah <laughs> like, that... Nikolai Borchewski 
he gets to say hello, that's a story. And I got Jerome McGinley coming. So like, but that's the, that's the attitude that you need to have in order to continue to try and get your stories on air, but it is a battle for sure. And, uh, and that's the cool thing. The great thing was for me was like you said, I got there in 03 and they were like, yeah, um, the Calgary hasn't made the playoffs in seven years. They have no chance of making it again. Um, but good luck, you know, getting stories and everything. And then the flames went to the Stanley cup final with Daryl Sutter in his first full year as head coach. (laughs) So that was, that was crazy and awesome at the same time. Talk about uh, cutting your teeth and, and get, getting thrown in the fire. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's like, so what, what would your thoughts be? And and you kind of alluded to it a little, um, like, what would your thought, like, that's gotta be frustrating. You know, you've got a story about, yeah, let, let's let's use Jerome McGinley or Mika Kiprasov or or a Daryl Sutter story or whatever. And I yeah. there's I want to talk to you about some of those characters later. But so you've got this story about you know Iggy approaching 50 goals or or whatever it is. But no, they're going to talk about Sergey Berezin in Toronto, who's got a broken <laughs> ankle and hasn't played in 42 games. Right? Like that's right. how. Like how as you just kind of bite your tongue and, and push through it, grin and bear it, or it's gotta be frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. You totally do. And, um, um, and you, you gotta, you gotta keep pushing on, but you gotta let them know how you feel. But the good thing, the one thing about that is when you talk to the other reporters, um, around in the other cities. So, uh, a big sounding board for me would be, uh, Ryan Rashog and Farhan Lalji, right? So Rashog is in Edmonton, Lalji's in, in Vancouver. And, uh, and they'd be like, yeah, dude, hundred percent. That happens all the time. <laughs> you yeah. And, and you're like, all right, all right. But, um, but even then, uh, because Edmonton, they just have a certain cachet of, you know, the, with Gretzky and Messier and the, the glory years of the eighties, they, they still get a little bit more, a little bit more play sometimes. And of course now with Connor McDavid, Holy cow. Um, amazing. But, uh, um, but yeah, people can relate. And when you talk to your other colleagues and they understand, then you're like, okay, let's figure it out. But at the same time, you can't, you can't let it, uh, you can't be apathetic to it. Right. You can't right. let it beat yeah. you down. And then you're like, I'm not going to bother with a story because you're not going to play it anyways. And that's when they're like, okay, you're done. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. They like the juice. So you got to keep the juice juices flowing. That's for sure. Did you have, um, so your time in Calgary and I don't care if it's the roughnecks, the stampeders, uh, the flames, I, I, what, what was the, the favorite, your favorite thing that you got to cover while you were in Calgary? Uh, favorite thing for sure. Um, uh, I feel, I don't even feel bad for saying it cause I love, I love the NHL. I love the Stanley cup and covering the finals a couple of times was great, but I would say the NBA finals, um, was my favorite cover. Oh, really? I covered the, yeah. I covered the NBA finals, uh, uh, nine out of nine out of 10 years, eight straight years, uh, covered LeBron, from my from his Miami days to through his Cleveland days um and that was that was amazing I loved every I loved every minute of it because um because you were witnessing history and it was the NBA finals it was one of the pinnacles 
uh, of North American sports and I got to cover it. So uh, that, that was my favorite. Also, I love the NCAA final fours. I covered like six or seven of those. Those were amazing. Some amazing moments, but I'll pick, I'll stick with the finals. Well, and that's, you know what, that's interesting. I, I think now that you mentioned it, I think I did know that you, but that you've covered the NBA finals, but I'm 39 years old. I've watched about 16 minutes of NBA basketball in my life. And that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's being very generous. It's just, I just, it's just not for me. I'm not a basketball guy, but you're right. Like, like LeBron, um, you probably got to cover Kobe, Shaq. I mean, some, yeah. some big names in, 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 like you said, in NBA history. So yeah, that, that would be pretty cool for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. And of course, Steph Curry, and, um, Steph Curry as well. So yeah, you're right. There's some, some huge names, some huge moments there for sure. Absolutely. As well, Greg Popovich, the coach, that was one of the more nerve wracking interviews that I've done, but, uh, <laughs> but he was good. He well, was let, good. let's talk about that. Like I, now I know who Greg Pop, Popovich is, uh, the Spurs coaches, the Spurs, yeah, did they, coach yeah, the Spurs. See, see there, I'm, I'm hip <laughs> with it. I'm hip with it, but I'm um, like, what, what was it about him? And I guess, I guess I, I kind of understand, but. Like, what was it about him exactly that made you so nervous interviewing him? Because he he does not answer questions with more than one or two words. And um, and he almost does it on purpose uh, with reporters because it makes them uncomfortable and it shortens the interview. Um, and and again, he he didn't answer um, elaborately. But we got enough out of them uh, to to run to run a few clips and everything, which is pretty cool. But it was at a point. The only reason why it was at a point, because honestly, it was in a scrum, Coxie. But nobody, everybody else seemed to be like, I'm done with I'm done asking questions. And like, I'm like, oh, I'll take over. So I asked like three or four straight questions. Perfect. Why wouldn't <laughs> it you? was perfect? It was glorious. And you're like, oh. Yeah. See, it's not so bad, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It was really good. Now would he, is, is, is he a tougher interview than Daryl Sutter? Um, probably not. No, Sutter, Sutter was, uh, he was, he was really tough. And because the thing with Daryl, now that, you know, now that I've been in the business for so, for so long and you don't uh, have much as much of an ego or you seem to understand what's going on. Like, it was with Daryl, it was tough not to take what he said personally. Um, and it wasn't just me. Like I actually, I, I didn't take things too personally. Cause um, if you know me, things just slide off my back, like water right. on a duck. But yeah, but uh, with Daryl, especially in those early days, like he would be like, you know, Daryl, you guys haven't scored on the power play in four straight games. And he'd be like, you're the expert. You tell me what you're doing. You know? Hey, hey that's <laughs> like, a great okay. yeah, that's, like, that's a good like, Daryl Sutter impression. Yeah, right yeah. There. And then you're like, and, uh, and, and he'd always like come back with a, a snide remark or when the cameras are off, he, he'd give it to you a little bit and, and you're like, all right, all right. You know, but sometimes you give it back to him. But um, the one thing I would say about Daryl Sutter that, um, actually more people are getting to realize uh, like he was always tough on you in the interviews and he didn't give you much. Honestly, he rarely did. And, and he'd always go the opposite. So if you were, if, 
if they were going, if they won five or six games in a row and you wanted to pump, um, I remember I wanted to pump Sean Donovan's tires. He was a third liner. He had scored in, in five straight games. And I was like, Sean Donovan. And he's like, Sean Donovan's a minus one in that span. And I'm like, <laughs> you're ruining my story here, Sats. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's funny, actually. And, and, he, and that's and the one with him, like he makes a point and he doesn't elaborate and he and he just says chew on that. So he'd be like, Sean Donovan's a minus one in that span. I'm like, and? And he just gives you a shoulder shrug and's like, next question. You're like, ah, oh, Daryl. But <laughs> but off camera, he'd be like, well, I remember when my daughter was uh, when my daughter was born. It was actually my daughter was born in the in the second round of the playoffs in 04 against Detroit. And like after they beat San Jose, he would be like, um, when the cameras are off, he'd be like. Uh, how's how's your daughter i heard you had a daughter uh micah is it how is she and i'm like what like <laughs> where's this caring coming from you know what i mean but but yeah he's a he's a brilliant he's a brilliant guy he's not that nice with the cameras on but he he is um yeah he's a caring guy uh uh when it really matters i can say that I remember being at the Saddle Dome one night. Uh, the it was a preseason game. The Florida Panthers were in town, and Jordan Henry—I don't know if you recall that name at all—but Jordan Henry was playing for Florida back then. That's who he was drafted by. Um, and some of my buddies from Alberta were buddies with him, so we went to the game. We watched, and we went down after to just visit, have a visit with him, and say hi. And I remember Daryl Sutter coming through the stands and I was standing right there and I was like, Oh my God, it's Daryl Sutter. <laughs> and I, I stuck my hand out and I'm like, yeah, Mr. Sutter, good game tonight. And he grabbed my hand and it was, first of all, it was like shaking a fucking <laughs> bundle of bananas is he had the biggest Mets on him I've ever seen. Yeah. And then he's just, he's like, Hey, 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 how you doing? Enjoy the game. You have some beers tonight. And just kept yeah. walking. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, actually I did Daryl. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I've, I've heard that. And you know what? I, um, I actually had a, a brief run in with Brian Sutter at a senior game up in Innisfail one night. And it was very strange because, well, one of my buddies, a Bruin alumni, Mike Sullivan, shout out, shout out, was playing senior hockey in Innisfail, and Brian Sutter was the coach. So a bunch of us went to watch him, and same thing. He walked around behind us. We were standing at the end, and it was very odd. Now that I think of it, and I never clued in. He walked by. He's like, "Hey, how you doing, boys? Having some beers tonight?" And we're like, "Yeah, we are." <laughs> but uh, just, just good, fun, loving, fun, loving Alberta farm boys. But. One of the most famous things, not the most famous, but something that uh, fans these days, and I feel like as you get older, you appreciate it more, are the relationships you see between guys like Brooksy and John Tortorella. (laughs) Have you ever had, like you had some, so you had Daryl Sutter, you had Bob Hartley, you had Brent Sutter, you had Mike Keenan. Yeah. Um, like, did you ever have a, like an altercation or a relationship like Brooksy and Torts in New York? Did you ever have one of those incidents or no? <laughs> I've definitely had a couple of those incidents uh, uh, with the coaches. Um, <laughs> elaborate, elaborate if, if, if you, if you feel the need to do so. Well, 
Well, the Keenan incident is is uh, um, is tough because I don't have it. I don't have it on camera, but but um, definitely Keenan was was um, awesome. But once once uh, Mike Keenan, uh, it was after Mika Kiprasov got got shelled the night before, which was rare. It rarely happened, and it was at practice the next day. And Kipper was you know he was just you know stopping the pucks that were that were going to hit him, but he wasn't hit. He wasn't stopping any. He wasn't trying too hard, you know? Yeah. And uh, Keenan stopped the practice in the middle of practice and, uh, and talked to Kiprasov and then started the practice again. And of course I made a note of that. And then after the practice, Keenan came out of his office and, and it was a regular scrum. And I'm like, uh, Mike, what did you, what did you say to Kiprasov there? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh, you stopped practice. You guys were doing a, a shooting drill. And then you stopped practice. You talked to Kiprasov. What did you what did you say to him? And he's like, oh, uh, we were just talking about uh, angles. I'm like, okay. Like, uh, he's <laughs> the greatest goal, one of the greatest goaltenders in franchise history. And you were telling, talking about angles and, uh, and and then I asked him one more question about it. And before I got the question out, he's like, are you calling me a liar? <laughs> like <laughs> right out of the blue, he just put me right back on my heels. I was like, what? He's like, are you calling me a liar? I'm like, no, no, I'm just trying. And then uh, Peter Hanlon, the PR guy of the Flames, he steps right in. He's like, this uh, this from is over. And and like it was it was crazy. It was awesome, though, when you think about it. And I'm like, ah, oh, if I had a, if, if it was a different time, you know, that, um, cause I was, I was backpedaling. I'm like, no, I'm not calling you a liar. But if you know that Seinfeld where George Costanza <laughs> is like, oh, this is what I would have said if I had it yes. again. That's, that's, <laughs> what I, that's, that's me. I'm like, darn Skippy. I'm calling you a liar. Keenan. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That's yeah. good. That's but good. The, the biggest one, the biggest one that happened to me. I don't know if you got time, but I'll just give you oh, one. We more got, we got lots of time. Yeah. <laughs> Bob Hartley. Bob Hartley was mad at me once. He got mad at me and he didn't talk to me for about six weeks uh, because uh, it was the beginning of the training camp. And, um, and I was actually, I was having like writer's block. I was really slow and getting my, get my story together, but it was no big deal. Cause we had a lot of time. So I had my camera guy wait for me in the spot where we usually do it. And I'm just writing my story and figuring things out. And then he gives me a call. He's like, uh, Jermaine, I think, I think the flames are coming back out on the ice. I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, but I think, I think they're learning. I think they're learning how to fight. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, there's some guy teaching guys how to fight. And I said, if that's true, shoot it shoot it all like let's go he's like okay and then uh so he just starts shooting i don't know why they didn't notice him up there and he and so i so i <laughs> called i called peter i called peter hanlon uh the, the flames flames and he's a great pr guy i'm like peter like guys are learning how to fight out there and i gotta talk to hartley about it because one the nhl by that time was trying to not have fights <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, slow that down and 
And two, like, when have you ever saw a fighting clinic, basically, right? Yeah. So, so uh, Peter's like, uh, no. And I'm like, yeah. And we got footage. So, like, uh, if, if we don't have anyone to explain it, we're going to have to just guess. Yeah. Like, okay. So, so uh, Bob Hartley comes out. And uh, I don't even remember the explanation he gave, but it was like, no, they're not really, um, they're not learning to fight. We're just teaching guys how to protect themselves and, 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 uh, and they can be in some really bad situations with the division we're in, but it's only to protect themselves. No, no punches thrown or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. So we run that story on, on TSN sports center. That story did not get, pushed aside so oh, imagine that runs. yeah imagine right? that that story runs um and i think no big deal of it because i do know that it was a big deal because all of a sudden like a bunch of paper guys were calling me like how did you get this why was why did it happen my bot my my editors are like we got to figure it out like you got to run something so i was helping people out with with quotes and stuff so i knew it was a big deal but um but uh, uh, we didn't make that huge a deal of it. And I don't know why we, we didn't make it, but we ran the story and it only lasted that day, like the news cycle that day. If that happened this day and age, it would have been a story for at least a week, right? Like that's just- yeah, Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, so I thought nothing of it, but uh, a day, two days later, because the Flames went on a road trip uh, for a pregame, a couple of pregame, uh, preseason games and they came back and Hartley came back and he 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 called me he's like Jermaine he's he's like did you bring your shovel I'm like uh I, I'm not computing Bob. <laughs> like, did you bring your shovel I'm like ah, sure he's like for all the mess you left on my front door he didn't say mess right but he's like and I'm like whoa okay he was mad right so uh-huh. I could only assume that you know the Flames got a couple of calls from probably the league and, uh, and Hartley didn't answer any of my questions that day. Uh, and we didn't uh, talk like he didn't answer my questions for a couple of weeks. And uh, we didn't talk again until, yeah, it was about six weeks later where we put it on, we, we squashed it. Like he squashed it. Cause I had nothing. Right. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah. This is what relationships are about. You know what I'm saying, Coxie? Yes. Well, <laughs> I've heard, um, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I've, I've heard several stories that, that, I mean, Mike Keenan, you know, everybody knows the stories about Iron Mike, but that Bob Hartley flies under the radar as a not very well liked coach. And if you ever want, and I, I, well, he says it right on his podcast, but if you ever listen to the Missing Curfew podcast with uh, O'Brien and Upshaw, O'Brien's thoughts towards Bob Hartley's are much like Mike Commodore's towards Mike Babcock. So, right. yeah, it's um, Hart- Hartley I've always understood was a different duck. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, he was great in front of the cameras, but from what I understand, yeah, some players, a lot, a lot of players, it's on both sides. Some players love him, and as much as some players love him, other players, yeah, would like you said, yeah, um, for sure. So 
So moving on from the coaches, I, I want to ask you, um, you, you also got to cover one of the greatest of all time in his prime. And uh, no, I'm, I'm not talking about Christoph Oliwa. I'm talking <laughs> about Jerome Ginla. Like you were there for his prime time years. You were there for the, for the trade Iggy. I mean, what kind of a human being was he like, you know, um, off camera, um, you know, to deal with as a professional, even, even like you guys are privy to information that goes on in the dressing room that the general public isn't like how he was with his teammates was, was he as nice a guy as he comes across? He's gotta be. Yeah. He, Iggy, um, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Um, and to his credit, uh, and I was, I would like, he always treated us with so much respect and both on and off camera, but in terms of relationship off camera, he's a very, he was a very private guy to tell you the truth. So like I, I didn't, uh, we've worked, I've worked there for so long that I did know Iggy and I did know him quite well, but in terms of his inner circle, I, I was never, I was never a part of that, which is pretty cool on his part to have those boundaries, but, um, so good to, so good to work with always, always, always had time for, for you always came out after bad games, after good games. He knew the role of being a captain. Like when you talk about, uh, being a professional and a guy at the top of his game, um, an absolute beast on the ice. And, and he never let that, um, he never let that, he could have been the biggest egomaniac ever, but he never let that bleed into his, no. into his interviews, never let that bleed into, into his dealings with us. And that's just because he's a, he's an amazing guy and uh, very considerate, um, uh, very considerate human being for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that actually kind of, I want to piggyback off that. So, I mean, you kind of, you were kind of lucky in the sense, in my opinion, that, okay, so you got to Calgary in 03. So you covered some of the last, what I call old school hockey players. And I'm talking about like Craig Conroy, uh, Robin Regeer, Adriana Coyne, um, yeah. like, like Damon Langkow, Bertuzzi, Tony yeah. Amante was there. Yeah. Um, and, but then you were there when they ushered in, you know, um, Maddie Kachuk and Goudreau and Sam Bennett and Sean Monahan. Yeah. How how from your point of view as a reporter, how do the old school dinosaurs like how do they how was their career and their everyday routine differ from the young kids that you saw ushered in? Uh, well, it's it's amazing that you say that because um, it, they're so different in so many different ways. But um, if to use your term, like the old school dinosaurs, uh, those guys, those guys knew what it took to be there, but they were still searching for what it took to stay. If you know what I mean. So yeah. Yeah. so yes, like the Robin Regeers. Craig Conroy's, Jerome McGinley's, they were all in their prime. And then I got to see them start to be lose their prime. 
right? Right. So yep. Robert Regeer is a great example. I, like that guy was a beast. Like he never animal, he's like, animal, absolute, absolute. <laughs> coming down that well, it would be a right winger coming down the left side. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, uh, it was nicknamed the the tunnel of death because yes. once you went in there, once you went in there, you knew you weren't coming out. Right. Robin Regeer was going to get his pound of flesh and he was, and he did, and he was so good at it. Um, and, and uh, <laughs> Hemsky always seemed to get the worst of it for the Oilers. If yes. I remember. And so, sorry to cut you off, but did, uh, did Boomer, did Dean Moldberg come up with that term, the, the tunnel of death for yeah. some reason, I think he did. No, it was, it was, uh, it was George actually, wrote for the calgary herald okay okay he was all over it too but yeah yeah, definitely it was it was uh george i don't know why his last name's um escaping me right now but full props to him but yeah yeah d mulberg he just left the 960 actually but anyways yeah so so robin regeer just to round it get it around he was a guy that was probably 6'2 220 Easy, 6'2", 225, maybe 230. Then by the end of his time with Calgary, he was 6'2", but he was probably 205, 210. Right, yeah. Because it was like the game was changing. It was all about speed. The physicality is starting to come out of the game. They're still trying to figure out, you know, how to be physical, but at the same time, you're not allowed to clutch and grab. You you got to keep up with these guys. And I swear, Robin Regeer and everybody in that room, um, obviously because of their training regimen, looked like bikers up top. They looked like cyclists almost. Yeah. And then, but their but their lower half was like tree trunks. Like the power was still there in their stride, but in terms of weight and and upper body strength, it was like whoa. I remember seeing these guys literally transform over a couple of years. And I was like, wow, that is different. And then you mentioned the guys coming in like Matty Kachuk and Johnny Gaudreau. And you're like, oh, these guys are, are small to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and it's just a different, it's a different attitude to the, to the game as well, because um, survive and because survival instincts it, they they weren't needed as much like it was really survival of the fittest in that nhl from the like absolutely it, it did change like after the lockout it really really did change and it has changed and it still is different um, absolutely and, and for the better but those guys that's why matthew kachuk is like a matthew kachuk and a brad marchand and and uh, nazim kadri those guys are so valuable because they still have that grit that sandpaper uh with skill but back in the day you didn't need the skill as much and you could take your pound of flesh and you others would have to deal with it (laughs) absolutely yes absolutely and that's what made iggy so good because iggy would be like if you dare try to take your pound of flesh you're going to get smacked right and he did and he defended himself and he crushed guys and he gave him some he gave himself the room he needed to do what he needed to do. And if you got in his way, yeah, that's up, that's up to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I love that guy. When, yeah. when you grow up in Ontario, 
you don't really see all those West Western Canada games because they're on so late at night. Right. And, and, and Iggy did, he just kind of appeared on the scene out of nowhere when he made the Olympic team there. But I never realized I have a a buddy of mine who's a diehard flames fan. And he was always, Oh, you got to watch this again. And I'm like, ah, whatever. But when you saw him play in person, man, what a, he just like, he was just, he was such an angry hockey player, but he was so <laughs> such a good angry hockey player, right? It was yeah. it was something you had to see live. That's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so you're back on the sports desk now, or you're 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 an you're an anchor on Sports Center now. Yeah. Um, is it easier being on the desk? Um, it's different. It's different, but yeah, I'd say it's a little. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's easier. It's easier to be to be completely honest. It's different. And the first uh, couple months, you know, you're always learning something new because um, it's something new. But uh, but once you start to get into a groove and you start working with uh, people more than once and and you have a rapport um, with the with the Kelsey Braids and the Kate Bernesses and and uh and Kayla Gray and all of those guys that I'm working with, Jen Hedger, I worked with the other night. It's it's actually quite good because because you can play off of each other, and it's not just about reading highlights. It's about getting your personality out there, and when people understand your personality, meaning the people you're working with, um, it's a good flow, and that's what makes it more um, more of a flow and and, uh, and an understanding of, of how you want to be presented and how you want to present the, the highlights on sports center. Absolutely. Now, not to get off topic here, but I lied to you earlier. I said, I've only watched 16 minutes of NBA in my life. And when you mentioned Kate Beerness, I am brought back to a time I went to a Raptors game and I was sitting very close to the court and I may or may not have had some beverages and knowing that Kate Beerness is from Port Perry, oh, I okay. started, I started, I got um, quite aggressive towards the Mojacks because, uh, you know, <laughs> the Port Perry Mojacks and the Uxbridge Bruins to the point where she actually turned around once and like you could, you know, she wasn't mad and I, you know, I wasn't belligerent. I was just, yeah. I was being heard. And she actually turned around because I, I don't even remember what I said, but it was something about the Mojacks. And she did turn around and give me that. All right. That one was good. That that yeah. was a good <laughs> right there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but um, but yeah. So um, is it like <laughs> so you spend so many years in Calgary and and you're like a racehorse, right? You're out there every day. You're in the grind. You're on the beat, you know. And then yeah. you then you come home. So is this like the you know the old stud goes out to pasture now? To kind yeah. of, you know what I mean? Are they like? Is that what it feels like? Or like what? Do you know? Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. That's uh, it is. It's like uh, um, it's it's a uh, it's weird to have a set schedule. You know, it's, you know, it's like all right, slowing down a little bit. But um, uh, it's funny because they they asked me to do the sidelines for a couple of Argos games and a tie cat game and stuff. And I said, sure, I'll do it. And then, it, then the juices start flowing and you're really getting into the groove 
You're, you're like, yeah, I still got it. And I you're still like, got it. Wow, that's the way it used to be. That's right. So yeah, that the way that you you described it, it really is like before. You know, you're you know you're running the track. You know, you're <laughs> you're doing your lengths, and now it's like you're sitting at the desk and you're seeing other people. You're you know introducing other reporters to the thing. So it is. Uh, it's kind of it is kind of like that, except. Um, uh, definitely plan on being around a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so did, um, so, so you, when you got back into those couple games with the Argos and the Thai cats, did you just get home and you're like, Oh, I'm too old for this shit. Like I stick to the, <laughs> yeah. I'll stick to the desk. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, that's, that's how I'm like, man, I'm tired. Like, what am I doing? But, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely like being on the desk for sure. Um, I will report when they need, when they need it, but I am where, I'm where I should be. I, I am, I am a anchor man for sure. Don't write anything on the teleprompter because I will read it. <laughs> you're just, you're just the glue guy of the organization, yeah, whatever, exactly. whatever, whatever it takes. So, so do you, you know, you guys always are very well dressed on set there. Are you, uh, are you wearing shorts under the desk? Like Jim Van Horn used to. <laughs> yeah. No shorts, no shorts allowed yet, but maybe, you know, when I'm, when I'm at Jim Van Horn status, I'll start wearing shorts. Uh, I have worn I have I have worn jeans behind the desk before when I knew I wasn't going to be standing up, and I do wear flip flops. That's my that's, well, that's my fair. secret. Yeah. Right there. See, I yeah. I have a theory. A guy like Jim Van Horn, with that sick duster he has, I feel like he also wears like the 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 garters for socks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, can you confirm or deny? Like, I feel like, I feel yeah, like I cannot confirm. I have not been there with Jim Van Horn, but I would love, if I saw it, I would confirm, but no, I have no idea. Yeah. And, okay. And I yeah. want, I want you to put another rumor to rest too. Does Dutchie wear shoulder pads underneath his, his suit jackets? <laughs> that is a no. That no, guy's huge Dutchie too. Is, Speaking of Dutchie big guys. is an absolute beast an absolute beast yeah. i've always wondered because they're just and maybe it's just the cut of his jackets but they're just so yeah. dead square like he yeah. <laughs> just a big a big shoulders he's a saskatchewan guy right yeah yeah a big Porcupine old saskatchewan, saskatchewan or something like a that big old saskatchewan farm boy so well that's good so you're so you're enjoying being on the desk you're enjoying being back home is is stoville what you remembered it to be Heck no. Stouffville is, uh, it's a lot it's bigger. Like, yeah. It's three times the size for sure. Um, they even got, they got a McDonald's and Tim Hortons. Tim Hortons yeah. it was there before I left, but there's two of them. Now the Walmart definitely wasn't there when I was gone. Like it's uh it's a huge town. Timber Creek is like all over is, has grown substantially that mini putt, but, uh, but yeah, it's good to see, um, good to be back in Stouffville. The one thing, and I'm sure you know, Coxie is uh, is Ontario is a different world when it comes to real estate oh, market. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yes, it's um, that, that's it's, the eye opener for me. Well, and and it's funny because I laugh too. Like, like, like you mentioned a bunch of guys from Stouffville that you played with um, in Uxbridge, and there's a whole whack of guys that from Stouffville that I played with in Oxbridge. And it's funny because the Stouffville guys always used to make fun of Oxbridge and vice versa or whatever, but yeah. 
Stouffville got so expensive. All those guys moved out and moved to Uxbridge. So it's yeah. like, oh yeah, you guys used to carve on us all those years ago, <laughs> right? right? And now you're all living here. So like get bent sort of deal, right? Exactly. But it's, um, yeah. They're it's, either in Uxbridge or Mount Albert. Yeah. A lot of, lot of guys <laughs> moved to Mount Albert. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Actually. I never, I never thought about that. So, um, one final question, and this kind of goes back to your anchor man. So I know that um, Jeff Merrick of Sportsnet also lives in Stouffville, and you live in Stouffville. Do you guys ever have like those anchor man gang wars, like you see on, uh, like <laughs> you know what I mean? Jermaine Franklin, TSN Sports. You know, you know what I'm getting at here. I know exactly. Like, what you have you had that. to have you had to throw a trident at anybody in downtown? Uh, not yet. Not yet. That's crazy. I haven't even, uh, I haven't seen Jeff yet, but I know that he lives in Stovall because everybody says Jeff Merrick lives in Stovall. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta bump into him one of these days. Uh, but, but no, no. And you know who else uh, lives in Stovall? Mark Bro, another anchor guy with TSN. Oh, okay. He lives in Stovall. And Andrea Case of CTV lives in Stovall. So Stovall seems to be a TV spot uh, oh. for the anchors. It's but, really not that far down to the studio, I guess, is it? It's perfect. Yeah, it's right, right uh, down McCown, right? So it's yeah. a, it's literally a thirty minute drive only because there's lights. Yeah. As long as O Dog doesn't move into Stoville, you guys should be okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. You don't need. Uh, I Jeff want O Dog on my around. team if he does, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, no, I was, I was in uh, Stoville last night. The the Bruins, Oxford Bruins, had a practice, and actually, we have an exhibition game tomorrow night in Stoville as well, too. So, I still frequent Stoville quite often. Um, I I don't get south of Bloomington much, to be honest with you, because you know, yeah. I'm a, it just scares the bejesus out of me. But um, yeah, so well, welcome back to Stoville, and and um, listen, thanks for doing this. This this was an awesome interview. I totally enjoyed it. Um, I think I've taken up enough of your time and we, you know, we talked about your career and you, you just gave some good insight. So, so thanks again, Jermaine. That was, that was awesome. Loved it. Yeah. really appreciate it. Coxie. Anytime, man. Anytime. All right. You take care. And, and once again, thanks. Thanks for coming on, man. Have a good night. All right. Deuces. All the best. So yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. I uh, that was a lot of fun for me getting to sit down and just and just shoot the shit with a guy. Of listen, I don't care what anybody says. Jermaine Franklin is a very recognizable man in Canada. So Jermaine, if you're listening to this episode, um, and I and I hope you do. Listen, man, thanks again. That was awesome, and hopefully we can do it again sometime. And uh, thanks for taking the time for the little old Cox Talks podcast. Much, much appreciated. So listen, folks, that's it. That's all. Um, Yeah, you didn't really have to hear a lot of me this episode, which is great because the last couple episodes have just been me going on rants about shit. And don't worry, I got lots of rants left in the chamber. But you know what? I thought um, we'd switch gears and we'd get another we'd get another guest on here and we'd have a good time. And and Jermaine really uh, fit the bill. He was gracious enough. It was pretty short notice to come on and and be interviewed. And uh, yeah. Couldn't can't say enough nice things about that guy. So that's it. That's all for another episode of the Cox Talks podcast. Don't forget, we still got some hats for sale. Thirty dollar, thirty dollar for the most hash, fashionable hats in the fucking league. All right. So uh, if you if you need a new chapeau, holla at me, yo, holla at me. And uh, the most important thing about the Cox Talks podcast: tell your friends, tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. Thanks for listening. Sounds dry.